When my wife and I was just married, we loved catching the early movie and then going into a bookshop after the movie, grabbing a cup of coffee and um, finding a comfy seat and sitting down and reading a book. And right before they'd closed, you know those bookshops that closed really late? We'd make sure that we we just busy until minutes before they closed and we jump up, get out of there, possibly grab some more ice cream and then head home. Uh, or one of these days, we, we caught the early movie, uh, we got out, we grabbed a cup of coffee, went into this bookshop, and it was already late. We walked in and we walked ourselves straight into a Where's Wally book. Um, we sat down right there in the aisle, opened it up. If you don't know what a Where's Wally book is, it's one of those books that has uh, lots and lots of little drawings of characters on one page, and you have to find uh, for you have to find Wally and Wanda and Oddlo and Wizard, Whitebeard, and and the whole gang on this page. And we got sucked right into this book. We were completely oblivious to what was happening around us. To the point where we finally realized that the music had been turned off. There was no more customers in the shop. There was only two people left. It's the two employees that were supposed to lock up that night. And they were very friendly standing at the door waiting for us to finish up with Where's Wally so that they could go home. It was way past their closing time already. The church gets like this more often than we'd like to admit. We get so caught up in what we're busy with, what we enjoy, what we like doing, our favorite scripture, our favorite idea, that we lose all ideas, all uh, contact with what's going on around us. And we get so focused on what's right in front of us that nothing else makes sense. The, the music has stopped, the people have gone, and we're still just busy with what's right in front of us. And that's a dangerous place for the church to be. The, the church is not supposed to be spaced out on its own mission. This church is not supposed to be stuck on just one thing. Only the thing that they, these 15 people that's gathered around, are interested in should always be hanging around the same kind of thing. Um, they shouldn't lose track of time. They shouldn't become irrelevant to the people around them. No, the church, this gathering of people, should be highly relevant. They should be very aware of the time they live in. And they should make an impact in the lives of those around them. Jesus made it quite clear what our focus should be in Matthew 28 when he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a simple command, go and make disciples. But more often than not, we, we get hung up on, on everything else that Jesus said. We get hung up on the authority. We get hung up on the baptism. We get hung up on the obey, on the teaching. We get hung up on the commands or the Holy Spirit. And if we get hung up on 
any single one of these things, the most important thing falls right away. The fact that we need to go and make disciples, the fact that this community, this group, this bunch of people that meets around God's word and the fact that Jesus is the Savior, the Son of the living God, the point of them is to go. The point of them is to be outsider-focused, to be sure that they get outsiders to know that they love them so much and that God loves them so much that they want to become insiders, that they want to become part of the church. Now, this was not God's heart from the start for us to be solely insider-focused. And if we read the story of the first church as we continue where we left off last week, we can see that God was pretty serious about this. And this first church was really, really serious about it. John and, uh, and, and Peter and James and the other apostles had gone back to Jerusalem. They had, after Jesus had told them that this is their mission as the church, they, they went back to Jerusalem uh, and for about 10 days, they met together and they prayed together and they met together and they prayed together. And on the day of Pentecost, God sent the promised Holy Spirit, like he promised. And, and the Holy Spirit fell on them and manifested in a magnificent way where um, there was all these people from all over the world that had gathered together in Jerusalem for, for this festival of Pentecost. And these 100, 120 uh, followers of Jesus could suddenly speak in every language, in every dialect of all these people from across the world and share the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection with all these people in languages that they understood, in, in, in dialects that they understood. And this changed their lives. They were astonished. They responded to this message by repenting, by, by turning from their own ways and turning to God, turning to the way of Jesus. And, and they got baptized and they went home and they were accurate representations. They were good witnesses of what they had seen, of what had happened in Jerusalem over the last few months. So this, the church was launched around this good news of Jesus and it had this very, very specific message of God has sent his son to break down the barrier of sin between God and man. And, 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 and pretty much just saying that we all have this problem. We all have this problem of sin. And the consequence of this sin is death. And Jesus has come and in one moment, he's taken care of all of it. Come and join us as we live out the truth of this message. Now, days later, uh, Peter and John, they went to the temple uh, just days after all of this had happened. Uh, thousands had joined this mission. Thousands had joined this movement um, that had just started that Peter preached at the first message or preached at the first gathering. And so they're all together uh, and they continue this idea. The people have gone home, but Peter and John, they're still living in Jerusalem and they go to the temple like they always do. On the way to the temple, they, they meet a lame man. Now, it wasn't a guy who suffered from, a, from, from bad jokes. Uh, it, it was a guy that couldn't walk. He was born lame. He was born uh, and, and he couldn't walk from birth. And he was over 40 years old already. 
and he asked them for money and they told him that they didn't have money but what they had this message about jesus about his death and resurrection and the fact that the holy spirit is alive inside of them they can share that with him and with all that in mind they said to him get up and walk and he did just that uh, he got up and he followed them into the temple and everybody around knew this guy who who was always at the temple gate i mean he was begging there for possibly most of his life so at least 15 or 20 years this guy was begging at the temple gate and people saw him and they they realized that he 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 couldn't stand he was always just laying there asking for money now he's walked into the temple and he's here with peter and john and he is witness to this truth that well this message that jesus has come he's the son of the living god he has come to pay the price and to set us free from sin and death and 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 there was a big uprising in all this uh, the scripture tells us here that by this time about five thousand people had joined this movement uh, that's just started that peter and john is part of uh, the local authorities was not happy about this and so they uh, came and spoke to Peter and John. They didn't like this whole message about resurrection, uh, Jesus getting like standing up out of the dead, God raising him from the dead. That was, did not fit with their theology, and they were not happy about it for a moment. So they came, they took hold of Peter and John, and they it was late in the day. So they they threw them in jail, and they were like, "Tomorrow we'll deal with these guys." The next day. They brought them out for questioning and um, they, they asked them, well, just what are you doing? In whose name are you saying all these things? What's happening? And it just created another opportunity for Peter to preach. And he just he gave them the resurrection message again, <laughs> just one more time. And at the end of it, he ends it off this time in these words. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Now that's a bold message. That's a very narrow message, especially for a bunch of guys who he knows is not happy with this message. He continues and he says, when they, or it continues and, he, and it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. You see, because of the public pressure, they, they couldn't punish them. <laughs> they could just sternly warn them and kind of send them back home. Now, back home where everybody was waiting, uh, Peter and John's capture had been heard of. And the last person who had been imprisoned by the temple guard, by the, the authorities, the religious authorities, well, the last person was Jesus. And we all know how that turned out. So everybody was really, really hopeful that a bad thing wasn't about to happen. And so as Peter and John got there, they were very, very happy to see their friends and to see them alive. Now, what happens next is, is a prayer, a prayer that Luke records. 
But now, just for a moment, let's put us in their boots. Peter and John, these, these good friends, these original, the, the two of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, had just been jailed by the authorities. They had just been uh, thrown in jail overnight. They had been questioned. They had been almost in very, very deep trouble. And we know what happened last time that anybody was all, almost in very deep trouble. What would we do if we had to pray at that stage? What would we pray for? Might it have sounded like, Lord, help us get out of here. Lord, help us to, to, to be safe. Lord, help us to get out of the city. Lord, show us a place to go. Lord, show us which place to go. Lord, I, I have a friend who has a, you know, a nice holiday home in Greece. Maybe we should go there. Like Jerusalem, Greece, it's, it's a boat ride away. And Lord, 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 help us that none of the Roman authorities see us as we go. And Lord, Lord, help us that, that Lord, none, none of the temple authorities see us because, you know, who knows what they'll do with us if they find out that we're going to go away and possibly spread this message somewhere else. And it's just natural for us to pray, Lord, 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 keep us safe. Lord, Lord, bless us. Lord, Lord, lead us not into new temptations. Lead us not into new trouble because uh, Let's be honest, if you go and evaluate your prayers over the last week, month, year, those are the prayers that we pray, isn't it? But these folks, man, they were a little different. And, and, and it's recorded like this in Acts 4. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Southern, sovereign Lord, they said, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. For a moment there, they just gather their thoughts and they go, God, you're in control of everything. You know the beginning from the end and you know the middle and everything in between. Lord, none of this, nothing that happened to Jesus, nothing that happened to Peter and John has taken you by surprise. Heaven didn't gasp for breath when anybody was was arrested and so they're just recalibrating where they are and what they're thinking they continue you spoke by the holy spirit through the mouth of your servant our father david why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the lord and against his anointed one indeed herod and pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And it's so interesting. They just put everything into perspective. They're like, God, nothing took you by surprise. You planned all of this right from the start. And, 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 and you know exactly what's going to happen next. None of this took you by surprise. And, and, and they, their prayer now continues. Their request comes to God. And, and it's interesting that their, their request is not for safety. Their request is not for comfort. Their, their request is not for escape. Their, their request is not even for protection. And here's their request. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In this moment, they're praying for boldness, for courage, 
for, 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 for God to come and give them confidence to share this message with, well, the very people who wants to kill them. It continues and it says, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So in contrast to our prayers of help me, Lord, protect me, Lord, help me to preserve my comfortable life. No, these guys come and they just pray, Lord, make us bold. Lord, make us brave. Lord, make us confident to share your message of good news with those around us. Lord, that the outsiders may become insiders. Lord, forget about me and what could possibly go wrong in my life. Forget about my comforts. Forget about my protections. Forget, Lord, those things are nice, but man, what is important? What is the mission? Is Lord, help me to be bold so that others might hear about you and step into relationship with you. Now, this prayer of boldness, it makes us uncomfortable. <laughs> it goes against the grain of what's inside of us, doesn't it? Now, I have to quote Andy Stanley here, who says, We pray little prayers and very little happens. These guys prayed big, bold prayers and big, bold things happened. Because this is what happened next. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And, the, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And so, for a lot of us, I think something needs to be shaken inside of us when we pray a bold prayer. Because we've become very comfortable in our lives, haven't we? But it continues. Luke, Luke, uh, Luke captures a very interesting detail that's so easy to miss. As he says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The first century church, they had a response to persecution. They had a response to hard times. And that response was, Lord, make us bold. Because this is a unique opportunity to show the world how good you are, how much you love us, and how they get to, a part, to be a part of what you're doing in their city, in their town, in their family, in their generation. And Lord, make us bold to share this message with these folks. Now, that's a bold, bold prayer. But the outflow of this is an interesting thing. The outflow is not fearing what they will lose, but it's this immense generosity where they don't, they don't mind the fact that doing this, that being bold for God is going to cost them something. It's going to possibly cost them money. It's going to cost them time. It's going to cost them their possessions. For a lot of them, they were very aware of the fact that this boldness might cost them their lives. And they are throwing caution to the wind and going, Lord, make us bold so that others may know your goodness. It continues and it, and it, and it ends off like this. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. It is so interesting that great powerful testimony followed, that great blessing followed, that this unity among the church, among God's gathering followed, and, and that generosity followed. We, we so often don't see that. We so often don't think that. We so often uh, join the church, join this church community with, with the promise that God will make your life better and everything you do will be blessed and everything you do will be taken care of and God is so good to you. But this first century church, no, that, that it wasn't about me and my blessings and my good. No, it was about the outsider. It was like, Lord, use this life. Lord, uh, take it and spend it the way you would have it spent so that others might know. It's, it's a very, very different way of thinking, isn't it? Now, it really, really challenges us, doesn't it? When we look at how the church started versus how it's going today, because we so often miss God with our little prayers, with, with those prayers that say, bless me, help me, Lord, serve me. Lord, Lord, you are big and great. Lord, will you just take care of the things that, that I care about? And we miss the purpose of God, the purpose that he started this movement of people around the world, not to serve themselves, but to love others enough so that it might cost them their lives, but they will be excited about that because they will know that God's purpose is being accomplished through all of that. It's tough because if I look at my prayer life and possibly if you look at your prayer life, if, if God answered all the prayers that I prayed in the last week, uh, how much of the world would change? Or is it just, well, well I, would, like, I would have a better, a, a better job, a better salary, my, my kids would serve Jesus, um, uh, and, and, you know, maybe I have some friends and relatives who would be healed of some illnesses. And it, and it never goes way beyond those spheres. But God is challenging us to pray a prayer of boldness, to pray a prayer that goes beyond us, to pray a prayer that serves His purpose. Because I believe inside of us, we all know and we all want to serve God's purpose because we know it is the greatest thing that we could ever do. It's, we can be part of the greatest thing that we have ever known in serving God's purpose during our lifetime. And all these things that we pray about, all these prayers for safety and, and Lord, take care of us and Lord, help us to, to be good stewards, Lord, and help us to get that job that we were hoping for. Those aren't bad prayers. And I don't want to encourage you to stop praying those prayers. But in addition to those prayers, and maybe as the first prayer for us to go, Lord, like this first century church prayed, Lord, give us great boldness, give us great courage, give us great confidence so that we might share your message with those around us so that they might come to know you for who you are so that our lives impact 
those around us. We spoke about it last week, that we might love you enough so that we love others enough and we make a difference in this world. Now, the people back in the first century, they knew that they were God's church. They were God's gathering for their generation, for their city, for their town, for their families, for the people in their region and possibly for the people in the world around them. And they got to impact them. And they got to impact us by praying a simple prayer. Lord, give us great boldness so that we might share your message. That's why we're here today. It's because that first church was willing to pray, Lord, make us bold. I want to ask you today, if you would be so bold to pray this prayer with me, to say, Lord, make us so bold so that we might impact uh, future generations, this generation, these people around us, our loved ones, those with, that we care for. But Lord, that, that what we do today, that our boldness, our confidence, our courage in you, Lord, that it may echo into eternity because that's what you created us for. If you would pray with me today, close your eyes. Father God, will you enable me to speak your word with great boldness? Lord, will you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus? Lord, will you lead me into places where my unique gifts can be used for your kingdom to impact the lives of those around us. Thank you so much for praying that prayer with me. And I know that God will use your life and God will use my life if we trust Him and we're bold for Him to impact the lives of those around us and that that, and that, that impact may echo in eternity. Thank you so much for joining us today.